0: Uh,
1: that was my whole internet uh, went down honestly I'm glad it was you and
0: not me <laughs> I'm glad you at least knew what was happening I was afraid you thought I had been disgusted at your comments about the later uh, Ann Gables what? and it hung up on you dramatically
1: <laughs> I respect somebody who has such would have such passion about it
0: <laughs> hey everyone I'm Ann Bogle and this is what should I read next episode 52 Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Today, we continue our special five-day miniseries, What Should I Read Next for Kids and Kids at Heart? We're focusing on the pleasures of reading for a lifetime this week with topics like children's literature, coming-of-age stories, literary heroines, kidlit for grown-ups, and more. If you're fired up about all the kidlet discussion this week, there are two things you need to know. We have another Twitter chat coming your way today. That's Thursday, November 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern. If you're wondering what you should read next, we will have all kinds of ideas for you today. This chat is also a wonderful way to make friends with other book lovers and what should I read next fans. You can follow me at Ann Bogle. That's Ann with an E, B is in books, O-G-E-L, and turn on my tweet notifications to be alerted when the conversation starts. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. We're also hosting an Instagram photo challenge this week. Follow the podcast at What Should I Read Next to see all the details there. Use the hashtag ReadingForALifetime and share your own photos on Instagram. For today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Gretchen Rubin onto the show. Gretchen needs no introduction. She's the co-host of the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast and the author of several books that we've even talked about on this podcast, like Happier at Home and Better Than Before. She's the mother of two daughters, a devoted lifelong reader, and a passionate believer in the joys of kidlit for all ages, even for, and maybe especially for, adults. This is a great one, readers. Let's get to it. Gretchen, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be talking to you about one of my favorite subjects. Well, I am so glad to hear that. And we have had so many requests to have you on. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh
1: well. It's great to talk to you.
0: Okay. I think a lot of readers have really loved that they feel like you've given them permission to really indulge their love as children's literature, even though now they're not kids anymore. Can you tell us a little bit about your longstanding love for children's literature?
1: Well, absolutely. I've always loved children's literature. I loved it as a child. I have always loved it as an adult, but as I write about in The Happiness Project and In Happier at Home for a long time, I sort of didn't really respect that taste in myself. It didn't fit my idea of myself as kind of a sophisticated, you know, very advanced reader. And so I sort of read these books on the sly. And then finally, I realized, I love these books, I should really shine a spotlight. Um, I don't have so many passions and enthusiasms that I should ignore one. And the amazing thing is once I kind of started talking about how much I love children's literature, I realized there were a lot of adults who felt the same way. And so I started a book group for people reading children's literature and that got so big, it couldn't take any new members. So I started a second group and then the second group got so big, I had to, there's a third. So I'm in three book reading groups of adults who read children's literature and young adult literature and talk about it. And we almost never talk about what children would think of these books. We're talking about what do we think of these books. And it is just one of the great joys of my life um, to talk about this wonderful literature with other people who love it as much as I do.
0: What are those book clubs reading right now?
1: One group is reading uh, What I Saw and How I Lied by Blundell, which is um, kind of a very noir YA book, which is great. I do not know
0: that one. Is that contemporary?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's contemporary um, and it's excellent. One is reading Zeus for Zachariah, Uh um, which is by Robert O'Brien, who, of course, wrote the brilliant Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, Mm -hmm. which is a Newbery winner and also one of my favorite books of all time, Silver Crown. Um, but Zeus for Zechariah is kind of um, his apocalyptic book, which is really great. And then, oh, I think we're reading Junior Miss by Sally Benson, which is a book um, by Sally Benson was a New Yorker writer who wrote a series of short stories in the New Yorker that later became a book. And it was hugely popular at the time. It kind of set, I think, in like the 40s or 50s of a teenage girl in New York City. So so there's a big range of stuff. One of the groups explicitly rotates between classic, modern, and contemporary, and Mm -hmm. then the other two groups just decide what we want to read kind of ad hoc.
0: How do you choose your books? Do the members get to pick or is there a committee or something official? No,
1: like no, no. We all talk about it. At the end of every meeting, we talk about what we want to read next. And sometimes people will come with suggestions. Sometimes, um, you know, people will be like, oh, well, there's a lot of buzz around this book. So I'm really curious to read it. Would everybody else like to read it? Like, for example, a book like uh, Grasshopper Jungle. People are like, everybody's saying like, this is like a crazy book. Like, should we read it? And we read it. And we're like, man, That is one crazy (laughs) book, Um, you know, because everybody was curious about it. Uh So we work it out amongst ourselves.
0: Which books have made for the best discussions in your various clubs? What are the characteristics of a book that makes you walk away going, that was a great meeting?
1: You know, sometimes we'll talk about what we thought worked so successfully. Sometimes it's most interesting when something doesn't quite work and you're talking about why you think it didn't work. Uh Um, A lot of these are very bookish groups. A lot of people are like agents or work in book publishing or writers themselves. But then some, one's a psychiatrist, one's a teacher. Like not everybody is kind of in the business. But a lot of people are really like – get a lot of pleasure out of sort of taking something apart and being like, well, I thought like, I have to say one of the books that I think is like one of the all time greatest books. I probably read it once a year is the secret garden. Mm-hmm. by friend, Hodgson Burnett. But a lot of people were like, you know, this book doesn't really work. It kind of breaks in two. The first half doesn't really relate to the second half. I'm not convinced by Mary's character arc. And, you know, and I was like, wow, now that you mentioned it, I see that there are all these things, but who cares? (laughs) It's (laughs) a classic of world literature. But it made for a really interesting discussion because Uh we were talking about, well, what is it about this book? How could you how could you sort of take it apart and see how how it's working? And then also one of the things that's a great pleasure about the group is there's some books, like there's a book, um, Black and Blue Magic by Zilpha Keatley Snyder, probably written like in the 70s or 80s. And to me, this is a perfect book. Like I would if you were like what if I was going to teach a book, if I was going to say, here's a perfect book. It's funny. It's deep. It's um, it's interesting. It's exciting. It's got a great premise. Um, It's a wonderful portrait of a family and of a boy and of San Francisco and it's a magical story But set in real uh, in the real world, which is one of my favorite kinds of things It's just perfect and but a lot of people hadn't heard of it And so it was such a joy for me to say here's a book that i've loved my whole life And I want to introduce it to a bunch of people who will just who will just love it and um, who will really appreciate it And they did and so of course that's tremendously fun, too
0: Yes, okay I want to hear about some of those other unsung favorites before we get off today now If I was your friend in New York City and I wanted to join a children's literature group, I would, of course, ask you. But that first time when you were first coming out of your children's literature closet, how did that first group come together?
1: Well, it was really interesting. I was very lucky because the first person I asked was a woman who was like she's younger than i am but she's very intimidating she's like beautiful and always beautifully dressed and super smart and you know and um and so we were having lunch and um sort of getting to know each other and then as it got got in and i would never have pegged her as somebody who loved children's literature and then then we got on to harry potter and she revealed an extremely deep authoritative knowledge of Harry Potter, which, of course, to <laughs> me, I'm like, wow, that speaks very well of you. And I said to her, you know, I've been thinking that it might be fun to start a group for people, for adults reading children's literature. Would you be interested in a group like that? And she said, absolutely. And I have a friend I think would like to join as well. And so because she said yes, and she was like, and I know somebody else, somebody I did not know. Uh-huh. That really gave me kind of like, uh, I was like, okay, this is a real idea. But the thing that's amazing to me is as soon as I started talking about it, all kinds of people started showing up. There was one woman who joined the first group fairly late. And I think, I think we were talking about the book Green Gage Summer by Rumor Godden, or a book like that. And at the end of it, at her first meeting, she stood up, raised her arms in the air and said, at last, I have found you. I see
0: <laughs> I didn't even realize you were a Twilight fan and I don't know how I missed this until I was listening to your Seattle live mm. episode this morning. I've never read the books, but a lot of women don't like to admit, I mean, grown women that they've even read them, let them know they love them. Can mm-hmm. we tell us about that?
1: I just really feel like you should like what you like. Um, and, uh, and I think one of the things that I, that's really great that's happening now is I feel like a lot of things that sort of didn't get respect, like, Thrillers, or science fiction or fantasy or whatever, or children's literature, young adult literature. It's sort of everybody's just embracing whatever their tastes are, and people are taking things seriously. And I think a lot of it had to do with the success of the Harry Potter mo- books and then the movies, and also with the Twilight movies being such just like gigantic successes that people are like, wow, this is like, you can't ignore this, it's big. And so I think now people are, are sort of owning up to these 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 um, enthusiasms more
0: oh interesting so it's so clear with their commercial success that yes. if you love something that you don't want to talk about at coffee it's clearly not just you
1: right exactly exactly
0: yeah. you've mentioned before that you have opinions on the later Anne of Green Gables I yeah. can't let that go by without asking
1: oh uh, well I mean I love all of Anne of Green Gables I have red hair and Anne is one of the f- she and Pippi are uh, among the few uh, red-haired characters uh, in children's <laughs> literature. Um, you know, but so some people, oh, they only like the early ones. They don't read the whole series, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you got to go all the way. And then there's the Emily books, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you get into that? I, yeah, um, yeah. So there's 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 a lot there if you are if you like Ellen Montgomery.
0: Did you read those as a child too, Anne and Pippi and Emily? I didn't read
1: Emily. I didn't know about them. Uh-huh. I didn't know about Emily of New Moon um, until I was an adult. Um, you know, that's another thing about the Internet. is It's like it's very easy to find out about books that, you know, when I was little, like you just read what was in the library, you know. And so if they only had five of Anne of Green Gables books. I didn't really think about whether there might have mm-hmm. been seven others or if, you know, at the Wizard of Oz books, there's like 15, um, maybe like even 25.
0: What? I didn't know. Yeah,
1: them. yeah. But, you know, you could only buy certain ones or get them out of the library. But now we have so much more access to kind of the lesser known works of our uh, favorite authors. So it's wonderful. Uh, I actually had a dream that I discovered a Mrs. Piggle Wiggle book oh, um, that I hadn't heard about before. <laughs> I know. I was like, because I love Mrs. Piggle Wiggles. And they were so brilliant. As an adult, there's a whole level of, of, of satire and humor that you don't pick up on at all as a child. But so, you know, so one of the things I try to do now is to look to see, did somebody write books that I, uh, more books that I didn't know about? Because just as a child, I didn't realize, or, you know, maybe like uh, E.L. Konigsberg was still writing books while I was in college. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of lost track, but now I can go back and read those books.
0: What were you reading as a child? What were your favorites? Well, you know, it's funny. I
1: recently did, um, I made a list of my 81 favorite works of children's literature and young adult literature. And if anybody. If anybody wants that, it's on my website. Um, you can look at it on the website or, uh, or or there's also a PDF you can request if you want one to take we'll, to the library or the
0: bookstore. We'll put that in show notes.
1: Oh, great, great, great. Um, and so and I was and I was thinking it's very heavily weighted to books that I loved as a child. Like I still read everything now and there's definitely books from the last 10 or 15 years that made the list, but the books that we loved in childhood, um, have special power. I mean, like Laura Ingalls Wilder, I think was little house in the big woods was Mm -hmm. the first book I read to myself, like the first real book, you know, and one of the things about the children's literature reading groups is that when you read Laura Ingalls Wilder as an adult, you appreciate what mass literary masterpieces they are, how beautifully written they are. Um, and that's, and, and, uh, And I loved Edward Eager, you know, Mm -hmm. Half Magic, uh, brilliant. I loved uh, Elizabeth Enright, um, which are the Melody Quartet. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Madeline Langle loved her. Um, Susan Cooper. You know, I like I like, you know, one of the things we talk about sometimes is like, do you like fantasy? Do you like realism? Do you like, you know, dystopia? You know, because people have different tastes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I like all of it. Um, So I like I like Ramona. Um mm. and I like you know Lord of the Rings, so I'll go all the way with the dragons, but then I also like the stuff that's you know Judy bloom.
0: Want a confidence boost? Take coloring your hair at home to the next level with Madison Reed. Get gorgeous professional hair color delivered to your door starting at twenty-two dollars. This is game-changing color you can do at home and look as if you just came from the salon without the time or expense. At Madison Reed, Master Colorists blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones to create over fifty-five gorgeous multidimensional shades find your perfect shade at madison-read.com. What Should I Read Next listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with the code READ. Use the code READ, R-E-A-D, at madison-read, R-E-E-D.com. Readers, if you love What Should I Read Next, you're going to love being part of our Patreon community. That's where we share bonus episodes, including follow-ups with previous guests, interesting conversations that were cut for time reasons, and one great book style episodes where I tell you all about recent reads that I adore. In addition to the extra audio, you get access to our super secret spreadsheet vault with the full list of all the books guests love and my three recommendations from every episode in an easy-to-search format. And on occasion, we get together live online for Ask Us Anything-style conversations and events like our 90-minute fall book preview and summer reading guide unboxing. Join for all these perks and to be part of the community behind What Should I Read Next. Go to patreon.com slash what should I read next. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash what should I read next to become a member today. Patreon.com slash what should I read next. You've intrigued me before with something you've said about your own childhood reading experience. And that is, if I'm remembering correctly, your parents let you read pretty much whatever you wanted. Yes. So you're talking to an audience of readers who want to raise their kids to be readers. Can you talk a little about how that family Rule or lack thereof, I suppose, shaped your childhood reading experience.
1: Well, there is the fact that if you want, a, if you want, like a kid to read something, probably the best way to get them to read it is to tell them that they can't read it. So then they're gonna, they're gonna do anything within their power to get that, get that book and read it. So maybe the best way to get your kid to read something is to forbid it. Um, I don't know, but you know, but one of the things is when you talk about like accessing inappropriate material or whatever, um, reading is probably the most. Uh, like the least upsetting or destructive way to get access to that. So if you're watching something on TV and you're watching like actual video of something or of a story, it's going to hit you much harder than it is if you're reading it. And and then you can also control it much more because if you're reading something and you're starting to get scared, it's much easier to put down a book than I think it is to like stop a movie. There's something about the immersiveness of a movie (laughs) Where it's like once you start, it's like it's very hard. You you know, you're terrified, but you, can't, you just you forget that you could just stop it. Whereas with the book, I think you're much more aware of the fact that you're in control of it. And, you know, I think my parents view is just like if you're old enough to want to read it, then we're not you know that's okay um and 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 it's funny because i remember i was at a parents meeting and some somebody with like a fifth or a sixth grader back to twilight was saying like well i can't decide whether to let my daughter read twilight and i was like wow i don't see anything objectionable in twilight like that if i was going to make a stand i would not make a stand on twilight <laughs> that you know but so people have really different sensitivities um, to these things. I'm more worried about something being really scary. Like, I don't know if anybody's read the book Jane Emily by Patricia Clapp. It's a story of a, of a malevolent child ghost who goes after a child in the family. That, to me, is scary. And I would say to my daughter, I think this is too scary for you. I don't. I think you would read it and you would love it because it's a great book, but it's scary. I worry more about that than like, is something in a, like, like the book that I mentioned, what I saw and how I lied. It's, it's, there's, there's a murder. There's like adult themes with her parents having marriage you know, issues in their marriage and like, what's really going on. And, um, that kind of thing doesn't trouble me as much.
0: Mm -hmm. I have four kids. They're six to 13 right now. And as a parent, my biggest, my biggest issue with reading is getting them to read books. I know they'll love. And I have learned that the hard sell never works. I know. Isn't that funny? Never. I mean, I don't even mean the hard sell. I mean, Hey, I think you'd like that. And I can recommend (sighs) books to their friends all day long, but not my own children.
1: It, I am so glad to hear you say that because same thing. I feel like what works is if I just leave it lying around that's exactly what I do. Yeah, or like let's say, oh, read the first page and tell me what you think. But I agree that, um, and I have a book. I have a book, like a book club on my on my website where people can sign up, and then every, once a month I recommend three books. One's a book about happiness or human nature. One's a work of children's literature, and one's an eccentric book that I pick. And for the longest time, I wouldn't describe these books at all because I'm like, the more you describe a book, usually the worse it sounds, and often the books <laughs> that are the very best sound ridiculous, like. You know, 21 balloons, a guy, uh, you know, a scientist goes up in a balloon to go on a year round trip and he lands on an island where it's a governed by, you know, a restaurant government uh, based on intense wealth. It just sounds preposterous mm-hmm. and it's such a charming, wonderful book. Um, now, after many after a couple of years of people writing me and saying, please, please, please tell us why you picked these books or tell us something about them. I now write like two sentences. But I think with your children, too, the more you like try to make a case for it, the more they push back. But if you just leave it out and it looks intriguing, they kind of pick it up on their own.
0: Yes. My children totally judge books by the covers, too. Oh, and 100%. this is off like we love our library. We used to live next door to our library, but I have so much more success getting them to read a shiny new hardback or hardcover than anything that's been laminated.
1: Interesting. I never thought about
0: that. I hate that's... that. I hate that. But it's a real thing.
1: Well, one of the things I hate is a lot of the great classics of children's literature, they've republished with horrible covers, (laughs) horrible
0: covers. Oh, I'm dying for some visuals here.
1: Oh, I mean, it's just painful. Um, And you're like, why would anybody ever read this book? It looks awful. And um, and it had a perfectly good cover back in the day. Um, So, uh, yeah, I think I think everybody's influenced by covers. And so, you know, it, it matters.
0: I keep buying the newly reissued classics that look so gorgeous that all the publishers are putting out these days in gift sets for Christmas. And mm. I feel like my kids have the opposite problem. Like they look too pretty to, to grab. Oh, they look right. Like museum no, I- pieces
1: no because they're so pristine. I know that feeling. I have a I have my old set of Narnia books that I I had since childhood and then I have like a brand new set that somebody gave me
0: as a gift and it's like I don't even want to read the new ones because
1: <laughs> they're so perfect. Yeah, I want to leave them like all set.
0: I this is a personal curiosity question. A lot of people really don't like it when I talk on my blog or on my podcast about children's books as opposed to books for grown-ups. They say, you know, they quote c.s lewis you know a book a children's book that can't be read by adults is no book at all or i'm totally botching that quote but a good book is a good book is a good book do you care does that bother you at all because i find talking about kid lit is a distinction like people know what you're talking about they get it and i don't mind talking about reading it. Is a 30 something is that something that ruffles your feathers at all or what do you think
1: Well, you know, it's such an interesting question. And then there's also the great debate sort of related, which is like, should you put a reading range on the back of a book, which some people are violently opposed Mm -hmm. to, but then booksellers really want. And so, you know, I think it is. I think it there. And one of the things that we talk about all the time and never really uh, have arrived at a satisfactory conclusion in the kidlit books is what what makes something kidlit versus what makes something a children's book. Now, a book like Betsy, Tacy, Tib, it's easy to see this. This is these are children's books. They're about children, and they really are intended for a child audience primarily, um, though they are so good that any adult could read them. But then there are books like that have kind of drifted into kidlit. Why is Tree Grows in Brooklyn now? often by so many people considered to be a young adult book that is an adult book. It was published for adults. It's completely an adult themed book. It's a wonderful book that anybody who can't, who has the chops to read it could enjoy because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful book, but why catcher in the rye? Yeah. It's got a teenage narrator, but it was not intended, for, you know? So mm-hmm. it's sometimes there's books where you're like, I don't know why this is like a quirk of fate, but I don't know. I mean, I, there's no shame in having a book that was written with an intended child audience. I mean, there's, I I mean, if somebody said to me half magic, is it, is it any the worse if I call it children's literature versus just a great work of literature? I'm like, no, I don't have a problem with that being called children's literature. I think that the opposite problem is more when people just won't read it because it's called that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, then you're, you're, if you're not going to read the golden compass because you think it's a young adult book, then you are, you are missing the opportunity to meet read one of the great books of our time, because that is, just an amazing work of literature for anybody. Um, and so why why foreclose yourself from
0: from that pleasure? All right. So give me the pitch. Let's just say I'm a belligerent, I don't know, 40-year-old who says, Edward Eager. Why would I read Edward yeah. Eager? Doesn't he write kids' books? What do mm-hmm. you say? They're great. I mean, <laughs> just, I mean there's, you nothing, stop there. there's
1: nothing better than a great book. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and uh, and again, if you missed it, the first time it's new to you, and if you read it as a child, you probably enjoy it even more as an adult because you're going to get more out of it because you 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 can you you will perceive things differently, and I think more and more people are, are get that are seeing like if I really lo- if I love to read fiction, I should think about this fiction as being a place to explore. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons that I wrote my my list of of children's literature and young adult books is a lot of people were saying to me. I kind of forgot about it. I felt Mm -hmm. like I I aged out of it. And now I'm realizing that was foolish. Like I should be reading those books. But now I go to that part of the bookstore and I feel totally lost. Like, I don't know any of the titles except for the ones that I remember dimly from my own childhood. Mm -hmm. I don't know where to start. There's so many books. A lot of the covers look the same. I know I would love some of them, but I don't even know where to begin. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, (laughs) there's so many great books. Um, So I thought, well, here, I'll I'll make a list so that if somebody's really like, okay, well, if I was going to read, if I wanted to catch up, if I wanted to read, if I'm 30 years old and I want to read what was published in the last 10 years in this in this area, where would I start? Um, Because there's there, uh, you know, I mean, I can't imagine how fortunate you would be to be catching up on the last 10 years of great works of children's literature because there's just such so much great stuff being written right now. In realism, Things like Wonder, Eleanor and Park. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. So those are like realistic, you know, wonderful, wonderful books. And then there's the fantasy books like Golden Compass, Grey Sling, you know, all, all those. And so, you know, whatever you like, there's plenty for you to enjoy.
0: What are you reading and loving right now in any genre?
1: Um, I am on a Willa Cather Ooh. tear. Um, I, what prompted uh, that? a friend of mine kept talking about my Antonia and I was like, you know what? I read my Antonia a long time ago. I don't remember anything about it. So I went (laughs) back and read it and then loved it. So now I read professor's house down. I just finished Oh pioneers and oh my gosh, if you have not read Willa Cather um, or if you have not read Willa Cather since like college 20 years. Yeah. Go back and read it because it is so good. It's so good. It's so, so, so good. So I'm reading Willa Cather. I'm obsessed with color, but that's just like a side little weird obsession. So I'm reading a lot of weird books about color um, that would not be of wide interest to most people. But what, t- what are you reading? What are they? Um, I, there's like a, I read like a lot of books that were uh, sort of like the catalogs of museum ex- exhibitions. So a book called Color Chart um, or a book called The Structure of Color. Those were both catalogs. Then there's books like uh, Victoria Finley has written some books about color, um there's books about using it in design. Um so there's like a whole weird kind of subculture of color once you get into it. So that's been really fun for me.
0: You and your sister uh, totally messed with me with your signature color episode because that's been uh, months and I still am debating between tangerine and a really oceany blue green.
1: Oh, like I'm that's just great. I'm deadlocked.
0: So I'm curious. But, maybe maybe I need to find a good book to help me, you know. That's right. I need some that's bibliotherapy. Right.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. And then in children's literature, I'm thrilled because I just discovered Margaret Mayhee, who is a very eminent children's uh, writer from New Zealand, who for some reason I had just never heard about. And that happens sometimes. Uh-huh. Like, uh, like, you know, I think it's only recently really that Americans have been aware of Enid Blyton, who, you know, was just like this towering figure in in England. And somehow it just didn't cross over. Mm -hmm. And so I had never really heard of Margaret Mayhew, but she writes exact, like, I love Tricksters, uh, Changeover, but, you know, she's written all this stuff. And so I'm like, all right, I've got a whole new author to explore. So Margaret Mayhew has been my recent find in children's literature.
0: Nice. That's such a great feeling. It is
1: such a good feeling. Uh, I was like, well, like Cather. I was like, I've read one. Now I'm going to read six. You know, it's like, and they're all going to be good because she is, uh, you know, one of the great, right, not great novelists of the 20th century. So, like, I just feel so fortunate. You know, now I've got somebody new to to read.
0: To end, could you give us, let's say, three. Kidlit book recommendations that we could read as adults or maybe people's kids would like to read them too uh, that you have found to be real crowd pleasers?
1: Um, beyond like Harry Potter and Charlotte's Web and The Lion, the Witch, and the
0: Wardrobe. Let's hope to goodness everyone has already read those.
1: Do you talk about audiobooks? Because this is a great thing for kids. Like if you have a child who has a tough time going to bed at night. I had a daughter who was really hard to get to go to bed at night. So we would l- let her listen to audiobooks. And one of the things we realized it gave her such an amazing vocabulary because the written word that people, there's much bigger active vocabulary than what people speak. And my daughter was just listening to hours and hours and hours of people reading to her, you know, more than we could have done. You know, we did that during the day, but there's yeah. a limit to how many, how many, how much you can read. Jim Dale reading Harry Potter, Cherry Jones reading Laura Ingalls Wilder, amazing. The person who reads... Um, Ramona is amazing. Oh. E.B. White himself mm-hmm. reads Charlotte's Web, so it's actually E.B. White. So that's a, whole, that's a whole thing. This is your challenge. Three books that like a family of four, boys and girls, would everybody would enjoy reading, that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, but how about that you enjoy reading or that I would enjoy reading? I, I walk okay. into book club and I say, okay. I have been neglecting this side of myself because I thought it was immature and I finally realized I don't care. What okay. should I start with?
1: I would say start with Black and Blue Magic by Zilpha Keatley Snyder. The Midnight Fox. By Betsy Byers. Do you I know don't that know book? that
0: one. No, tell me more.
1: Ah, oh, it's a perfect book. It's funny. It's transcendent. It's short and very straightforward read. Beautiful, beautiful book. A beautiful book. I mean, it's the kind of book that you could read for pleasure or you could teach for a month. It's just a wonderful, wonderful book. I'm trying to pick things that I think maybe not everybody has heard of. I like um, that. You know, like I could pick from the mixed up files. But what else would I say? Well, you know, a book that is a classic, but not everybody's heard of it, it which is really very interesting, is Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of NIMH. Uh-huh. Um, it's a whole, uh, it's, it's a strange, it's an animal world. I think a lot of people like animal stories. I think, again, like people like animal stories and in different times of history, adults would read many animal stories. But right now we don't really have animal stories for adults. Mm-hmm. This is a great animal story among rats and mice at a, on a farm and like the strange history that had befallen them.
0: I saw a film version of Mrs. Frisbee when I was young that freaked me out.
1: Yeah, I, it's a really, really good book. And, and then also, you know, people want different things. You know, some people like kind of a cozy family story. Mm-hmm. If, if you want a cozy family story, read Elizabeth and write The Saturdays or Gone Away Lake. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, what wonderful, wonderful, cozy books. And then some people want a little bit of Apocalypse. So then you're getting into The Hunger Games or *Zeus for Zachariah or a book that... A book that I feel like nobody has read except for me and my sister, but which I love, is The Girl Who Owned a City, which is when everybody over the age of 12 dies. (laughs) And this girl basically, you know, takes over a city. And it's Mm -hmm. like, what would that be like? And it's fascinating. And if you like, you know, uh, dystopia, which a lot of people do. Understood Betsy. Oh, my gosh. Great, great book. Oh, and there's just so many. We haven't mentioned Roald Dahl. So whimsical, so funny, so dark and weird and twisted and hilarious. You know, in a lot of these things, if you've seen the movie and you enjoyed the movie, you really should read the book because probably you'll enjoy the book and maybe you'll even enjoy the book more. Because Mm -hmm. something like Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins is a very different kind of book. There's something very different going on in that book. I love the movie. Oh, and Julie Edwards, Julie Andrews wrote Mandy, which is a towering classic of world's literature. Orphan girl finds a shell cottage in the woods. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing. Peter Pan, if you only know the Disney version, the J.M. Barrie version will blow your mind. It is a deeply, deeply weird book. And it really, adults should read Peter Pan because there's a lot going on there. It's weird, but great.
0: Excellent. Well, and I think all those picks that you just ended with really highlight what you can get out of a book as an adult that you might have yep. missed when you were twelve. Thank you so much. It has been so fun talking books with you today. Oh, so my
1: one of my favorite subjects. So I hope all the grownups will go out and read some children's literature because it's so 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 great.
0: And me too. I think I'm going to the bookstore next to get some right. of your favorites. I know. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey readers, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Gretchen today, and I hope your TBR list is full to bursting. Head over to the podcast site for the full list of titles Gretchen and I talked about. That page is at slash fifty two. Remember to hop on Twitter, Thursday, November seventeenth at two PM Eastern for some warm and welcoming conversation about reading for a lifetime with me and other What Should I Read Next listeners. You can follow me at Ann Bogle, that's Ann with an E, B is in books, O G E L and turn on my tweet notifications to be alerted when the conversation starts. It's going to be a great time. Here's another way to show your support for the show, rating and reviewing. Not only do ratings and reviews give me insight into what you think about the show, they also help new listeners find what should I read next. More listeners means more bookish love, and that, dear readers, is a good thing. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said... Ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.